0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the newest episode of The Pixelist, the podcast where we like to talk about all the nerdy things we enjoy. In this case, Critical Role. I'm Will, and that's not Blake. Uh, that's actually my boy Jeremy. Um, he is filling in for Blake, who could not be here because he is has just recently welcomed the newest member of his family into this world. So he is off doing dadly duties. And thus, he just stuck with me and Jeremy, of course. Uh, now, Jeremy's not very talkative, but he is a great listener. So that's why I brought him in today, you know. So, Jeremy, thank you um, for pre- Thank you for preventing me from just talking to a wall. Now, um, quite obviously, this episode is not going to be like a typical episode. And I wrestled with what to do here. Uh, we obviously still wanted to put something out, um, you know. And we do our in-depth recaps for every episode, and I am more than capable of handling that by myself. But as far as our discussion and theory craft portion um, that we typically do, uh, I just feel like it does not make sense to try to do that solo. Um, I did think about it, but I feel like it would just come off as, you know, awkward and cringe. And uh, that's coming from the man talking to a green stuff dinosaur, so come on, you know. Um, so I'm going to do the recap. Maybe I'll throw in a few of my thoughts during the recap, if that makes sense. Um, but other than that, uh, that's probably all we're going to get for this episode. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe if things work out, um, we'll like record a discussion section and just put that out later. Um, but the plan probably now is that we'll just get back to normal come episode 19 Um, but a couple other quick announcements Um, Moon Knight premieres today March 30th of this recording and uh, really excited for that Um, we want to do podcast episodes on that but given what I just talked about um, we're just gonna have to see Um, it might be a situation where we have to talk about it in episode chunks rather than episode by episode. Or maybe it works out that we can record and put out Moon Knight episode one before episode two comes out and we're able to do it normally. But just wanted to give a quick update on that whole situation. And similarly, basically the exact same thing um, on EXU uh, episode, well not episodes, but the the two shot of EXU that we're getting this week. Um, Blake and I want to do episodes on that. And hopefully we will, especially since there's no real time constraint, at, similarly to how there is with Moon Knight or Critical Role proper. Um, since we don't know if slash when we'd even get more EXU beyond this, um, all that to say is that we hopefully will be still doing episodes on the EXU two shot. Um, it just may be not immediately following because you know we're gonna have to wait for Blake's. Uh, craziness level to die down a little bit I'm sure. Uh, so just wanted to update you all on that and I mean that's pretty much it uh without excuse me without further ado I guess I will jump into this recap but again I just want to thank you um for bearing with us here and uh appreciate you guys. So yeah, um let's jump into the recap of Critical Role episode 18 and i don't know if we're going to cut this out and host it separately i guess it doesn't really make sense to um but in case we do i guess uh if you find yourself on this recap video right now and this is you're seeing us for the first time hi we're the pixelists it's not usually a stuffed animal it's usually my partner blake um we recap each episode and we also discuss each episode Uh, i typically would link the discussion part below for those of you that are just here on the recap Uh, but as I'm missing Blake this week, there will not be a discussion portion, but if you liked this, if you're interested, definitely check out the channel. Um, we have recaps and discussions for every episode and we will continue to do that. Um, but yeah, let's jump right in. So last episode ended with the party rolling initiative against this plant monster made up of like twisting vines and roots and has like a bunch of sharp teeth. An underbrush main as Matt described it Um, and so that's right where we pick up however it's only about half the party as they were in the middle of a long rest and people you know taking guard shifts so not everyone is awake so the first thing that happens is Imogen uses her telepathy to shout at Orym and wake him up and Fern yells at everybody else essentially and soon enough everyone is up and everyone's rolled initiative and combat is going now, this combat essentially took up the entirety of the first half of the Critical Role episode, so which is a long time. So I'm just going to focus on the big moments in the combat instead of going on every single detail. Um, and those were um, Ashton, FCG, and Laudna all at some point in this encounter were eaten by this plant monster and had to you know force their way out which all thankfully did successfully get out um but with Ladna in particular it was a it was a pretty close call she actually fell unconscious and was making death saves but due to her special hollow one ability cling to life she was able to roll high enough on her death save that she jumped back up to one health so it was super cool Um, as someone who's not too familiar with the hollow ones to see that functionality come to life (laughs) but not intended but let's say pun intended um another cool thing we saw in this combat was we got an expansion on fcg's uh mechanics um and what i mean by that is his sympathetic binding that he does with another player to like you know steal their damage and stuff um because he did it on imogen and because he and imogen had that mind meld moment where they really connected that um bond went to the next level and mechanically that translated to imogen getting a d6 inspiration die uh to roll at her discretion and i just thought that was really cool and speaking of imogen She used her new Feywild shard that they got in the previous episode to roll on the wild magic table when she uh, twin spell casted catapult at this thing. And the results of that is that her skin turned like a sickly blue color, as Matt described it. And that, I mean, that, that was the majority of the big things that happened. Of course, Chetney were whooped out and um, everyone had you know a couple cool moments but those were the major things and the, how do you want to do this went to fcg with his saw blade and he basically cleaved this monster and felled it like a tree um, however that wasn't quite the end as it's some of its extremities and limbs like continued to kind of twitch and move so imogen actually basically used it as kindling and turned this thing's corpse into a big fire and Chetney also was like still stabbing parts of it and ultimately they were able to strike its heart which made it completely fall limp and be like fully dead um after the fight the party asks Imogen about her new skin tone and just like if she's okay and she reveals that she feels the same um but not really sure what's going on and she thinks maybe it's one of these two new rocks that she's collected recently and hopefully things will go back to normal after a long rest um but if it doesn't you know maybe they could try to find help in a nearby town um so then the party like i said they were in the middle of a night's rest when this fight started so they get back to that um complete their long rest without any further interruptions and wake up the next day to continue their travels to the heart um, chetney does prod a mushroom at their campsite when they wake up in the morning and get spewed with this like poisonous spore cloud that also like essentially makes him feel drunk um, but he's able to shake it off and kind of warns everyone else. Um, Imogen similarly was kind of roaming around the campsite and noticed that there were these ruins in the wilds and um, with a history check Orem actually identifies them as ancient elven architecture like pre-calamity stuff. And Imogen is fascinated by this and so she uses Laudanus Chisnel Chisnel? Chisel to carve off a piece of um, an arc of the ruins um, to take with her. After they do that they get on their horses and make their way and that is where the episode goes to break. But we pick back up traveling and they're just on the road. They pass another caravan of people um, going the opposite direction and you know, Chetney asks any trouble ahead on the road and the other driver just says, you know, stick to the route, stick to the road, and that's all they say. So we continue traveling, continue traveling. And then we come upon like what is a rest stop essentially on the side of the road. They see another like group of travelers who are currently stopped and just resting and, you know, hanging out doing various things. And they stop to talk to them. There is a female dragonborn who like comes up to speak to them and um, Imogen asks, How far is it to the Hartmoor? And uh, this female dragonborn who introduces herself as Hutchin says they are about three hours away. Um, Hutchin, the dragonborn, is the only one speaking to them, but the party notices that with her we have a male Qatari who I believe is like a cat like person. Um, kind of like a Tabaxi, but I don't know if they didn't say Tabaxi for copyright reasons or perhaps if this is just similar but not that. Um, who wields like a bow around their shoulder. Uh, we have a human female with a drum, um, a small male goblin and a female furbog. So Imogen introduces herself and FCG introduces everyone as Bell's Hells and Hutchin wonders why why they have a name. She asks if they're like a band, are they performers? And Chetney says, you know, they're multi-talented, whatever the job calls for um and while this discussion is happening fcg tries to detect thoughts on the qatari um which this component has vsm like he has to speak he has to do hand motions um the whole nine yards so hutchin notices him doing that and basically her, her eyes narrow and the party tries to cover for fcg saying like oh you know they're just they like to perform and um Nothing comes of it, but it seems like Hutchin definitely like keyed in on the fact, um, that, that FCG was doing something, um, now in the detect thoughts spell, FCG just gleans that this Qatari is like basically on alert, is very suspicious of these random travelers, and he doesn't probe deeper into, uh, their mind in order to find new, like deeper thoughts. Um, Fern then asks Hutchin, "Oh, do you guys have any like anything fun for sale, like any trinkets or anything?" And um, she calls over the furball to Hannah, uh, who is wearing a bracelet, and asks her to remove it. And basically offers up, "Yeah, we have this bracelet. It contains, you know, these seven uncut gems, <laughs> and that uh, you know basically sell it for twenty gold." Um, Fern doesn't seem to jump on that, uh, so Ashton does. Ashton says they will buy it and and they do um and kind of also while this is happening Travis asks Matt if he could do kind of like a late insight check on if this group was actually oh I don't think I said this yet I'm sorry so the this group uh, of hunters um as uh Hutchin revealed they are also heading to the Hartmore so Chetney asks if he could do an insight check and uh if they were really traveling to the Hartmore, or if maybe that was a lie and they are just saying that so that they can like follow the party. Um and Matt gets up and gives Travis a whisper and we are not informed as to what he gleaned there. So the parties uh Orum actually offers, you know, since you guys are traveling to the Hartmore, we're traveling to the Hartmore, why don't we make this a party and go together? He doesn't say it like that, but he offers to travel together. And um, Hutchins says, well, how about not together, but like in tandem, like we'll be behind you a little ways, but we'll each be close enough to each other that we can help each other if something were to happen. And everyone is cool with that. So everyone gets packed back up and they make their way to the Hartmoor with Bell's Hells leading the way. And after a bit of travel, they arrive at the gates to the Hartmoor Hamlet, where two wilder guards await them out front. And they basically ask, you know, what's your business here? And uh, the group has to make a group persuasion check, uh, which they pass, and they're allowed inside. Uh, The guards tell them where they can find the stables, a couple places to stay, and... um, you know, send them on their way. So the first stop is the party goes to the stables, kind of checks in the horses, and then they decide let's go to the inn. So they head to the Sodden Grange Inn, and they rent four rooms from the halfling owner there, who has introduced himself as Dobby Kingsman. And the party basically asks him about Estani, about um, the uh, Hydroga um, Twilight Mirror. And he kinda of fills them in on the city and while he while they're talking, he's smoking this pipe the whole time. And Ashton says, you know, what are you what are you smoking there? And uh Dobby reveals that here in the Hartmore, a lot of people, himself included, will grow and cultivate and dry their own um I don't know if it's tobacco or not. Um but their own stuff and smoke it. And Ashton asks if he can have a sample uh, to which Dobby obliges. And he just says, you know what? You'll have to find your own pipe, but here, you know, you can try some of this. And immediately Chetney starts like whittling um, Ashton a pipe. Um, But then after, you know, conversing with him a little bit, they decide to get a few drinks here and kind of unwind and discuss their next options after having, you know, the long day of travel and it basically boils down to there's two things they need to accomplish here they need to go to the twilight mirror and you know do this whole heist thing and they need to talk to istani who lives here to find out um not only about imogen's potential connections with her mother but also um the attack on the loomis twins and how that ties to uh what oram is going through so they decide to head to the Twilight Mirror first and are able to find it very easily as it sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, so they make their way up to the door, ring the bell, no answer. You kind of see somebody peering through the curtains, ring the bell a few more times, and finally the doors pop open. And they can see that there's two guards like still putting on armor as the door gets opened. And a male half-elf greets them, dressed to the nines, uh, and asks if they would like you know, a day pass. A half-day pass or the full tour and Ashton says um, actually we're here on behalf of Gianna Hexum you know we're here to speak to mr. Hydroga and about this gambit and uh, Avon Hydroga is delighted and he's like okay well you can't take the tour then because that would ruin the the heist thing that's coming he doesn't want anything to be revealed he wants all preparations to be made in mystery um, and details and everything are going to be revealed the following night at midnight, and FCG asks if the other, or I don't know if FCG asks, but they're he's asked if the other group has come through and if they've gone through the tour. And he Avon says no, like they haven't, they're not here yet. And FCG rolls an insight, and again gets a Matt whisper. However, we're not told of anything um, he learned. So the party basically know, or you know, they've checked in and they know that nothing is going down until tomorrow night at midnight. So now that they made their introduction. They leave and they make their way to Mosslight Manor, which is where they can, where they have been told they can find Istani. Um So Orm walks up to the door, gives a quick knock. Um, an old Uriah man or Uniah man, which is half elf, half orc, um, opens the door, asks how he can help them. Orm reveals that they are here at the behest of Oshad Bregio, and if if he is Astani. And Astani says yes, and and immediately invites them in as friends, um, since they are here on the behest of Breggio, and begins to make them tea. And as they come in, they notice that this room is is warm, but it's very cluttered. Not quite hoarder-like, but, you know, getting there. And um, as they settle in to have these conversations, that is actually where the episode ends. And that was episode... 18 of critical role so uh again you know thanks for bearing with me on just rambling uh all the way through that since i was by myself this week um we appreciate it and yeah i mean i love this episode there's honestly a lot that i would love um to just really dive into um but jeremy's like a fake fan man he i don't even think he watched this episode so he really wouldn't be the best one to talk about it with unfortunately um, but a couple of quick thoughts for me i i loved i loved learning about fcg's mechanics um i can't wait to see what happens with this wild magic skin change because i i think that it can only be reversed by Uh, I want to say like a remove curse spell, which I don't think anyone in Bell's Hells has. So be interesting to see um, how long Imogen is blue. And if, if, if any, um, if there are any not repercussions, because I don't think functionally anything's different, but you know, it's kind of weird to have your entire skin change. So just be interesting to see what comes of that. Um, What else? What else? That other group. That other group um, actually uh, asked on Twitter when I knew that I was going to be doing this by myself, if anyone had anything in particular um, they wanted t- to be addressed. And uh, Rita actually reached out and mentioned this group as well, uh, just wondering what they're, like, what's going on with them. And I agree. I had the same thoughts on them. Do we think it's going to be the group, the other group that is involved in this Twilight Mirror heist? I think so. I think that um would make sense and would be interesting, but also, you know, they don't necessarily have to be them, right? It, living breathing world, they just ran into some other travelers. Um, but I think it would be really cool if if that was the other heist group and just to see how this relationship evolves. I think it would be I think it would be fascinating if we kinda had a recurring rival group um throughout the campaign and i mean maybe these guys turn out to be like straight enemies and therefore you know need to be dealt with or or something to that fashion but it would be cool if it if it remained like a competitive um but friendly type of relationship you know like a like a ash ketchum gary oak type scenario you know a recurring not antagonist but you know what i mean i'm rambling um but yeah it's fun to kind of postulate maybe like what classes the that group was because i believe we have a dragonborn clearly a furbolg a goblin a human and a katari so a nice little assortment there um so i i can't wait to to hopefully find out more about them if we do uh other than that, uh it's I'm really excited for the next episode. I'm sad that we have to wait a couple of weeks. Um at least we do get the EXU content um on this off week. Uh but I'm really excited to to see where the epi- the next episode takes us. I imagine we're gonna get the heist and also maybe some juicy stuff from Istani. Um so I'm excited. And that's basically all I got. Uh Again, thanks for thanks for bearing with us here. I appreciate you guys. Um, all right, if, if anyone made it to this point, I appreciate it for, you know, hanging out with me and Jeremy this long. Uh, he's a little green. Get it? Like un, inexperienced? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I need to talk to another human. Anyway, appreciate y'all sticking around. Appreciate everything. And uh, hopefully back to the normal show and bananas next week the normal show in bananas I don't know Jeremy thumbnail bro you got any ideas okay let's do it (laughs) have a good one y'all